Hello, all souls, on this blustery Mother's Day Sunday night. Uh, sorry that we didn't get to be together, but of course we had to call it because of uh, the weather. Hope you've had a, a good day, however Mother's Day comes into your life, if it comes in at all. Tonight we're, we're going to uh, be looking at Acts 15, 36 to 41, where the second missionary journey gets off to a rather inauspicious start. Uh, let me read it to you. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The word of the Lord. When we affirm the Nicene Creed, one of the things we say is we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a fundamental Christian affirmation. We believe that Jesus is alive and in some sense present with us as Lord, that he's guiding us, um, that he somehow is involved in all the complex things of our life, working them out to some uh, kingdom goal. But what does it really mean to say this? Well, we see one example of Christ's lordship at work in the believer's life in the story that we just read, an all-too-human story about the conflict between Paul and Barnabas. Now, if you've been following along with us, Paul and Barnabas have just shared in one of the most significant reconciling efforts in the history of the church uh, the Jerusalem Council is a miracle. Two violently opposing factions who disagree on the very nature of the gospel itself come together. They form a compromise. They stay in mission together. They protect the unity of the early Jesus movement. And then, just a few days later, Paul and Barnabas have a fight. They have a major falling out. Isn't the Christian life often like that. After a great victory, a great expenditure of effort, a spiritual high, we quickly stumble and fall. Well, we're at the beginning of the second missionary journey, and Paul wants to go back and visit the churches that they planted on the first journey and strengthen them. He knows it's going to be very difficult. Uh, physically, it's difficult. They have to go through the rugged mountains of southern Turkey spiritually it will be difficult they will face quite a bit of uh, persecution and resistance and uh, he wants to have people he can trust and he doesn't evidently trust John Mark Barnabas wants to bring him we find out in another passage that John Mark is his cousin um, but if you recall when they started the first missionary journey John Mark began and then went home he um, he um, quit and we don't know all the reasons why, um, but we do know that Paul questions John Mark's character. He sees it as kind of a moral failure, and Paul doesn't trust him. 
Barnabas sees it differently. He wants to take John Mark on the team. And Luke says, and there arose a sharp disagreement and they separated from each other. They really got into it. Now, I, I find it interesting that often the commentaries kind of try to whitewash what's happening here as if two godly men couldn't really go after it. Uh, one says this, In this particular case, a happy solution was reached and that Paul was able to choose his own companion for his part of the work while Barnabas was able to take Mark under his wing and help him develop as a missionary. Well, I doubt the solution felt very happy at the time. The Greek word Luke uses is, uh, refers to anger, irritation, exasperation, even wrath. They argued. They could not agree. In the end, they decided to separate. They decided, you know, we can't partner together anymore. And the reality is that two very strong godly men had different perspectives and could not work it out. And for at least a time, their relationship was broken. Now, what made this episode even more painful is that Barnabas and Paul have a long history together. Both men have strong Jewish roots. Barnabas comes from a priestly family. Paul's trained as a rabbi. Barnabas was a rising leader in the church. Luke calls him a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. The historian Eusebius says Barnabas was one of the 70 disciples sent out by Jesus. We don't know if that's true, but that's in the record. Barnabas was a good friend to Paul. When, when Paul converted, do you remember back in Acts 9, and he shows up in Jerusalem and the apostles think he's a spy, Barnabas says, no, 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 let's listen. God seems to be at work in this man. He logged every mile on that first missionary journey with Paul. His name means son of encouragement. Um, no doubt he'd often encouraged Paul in their many trials, and um, now they're getting a divorce. You know, conflict often hurts the most when it happens with the people you care the most about, the people you've trusted and prayed with and wept with, the people that you've been with the longest. And Christians, I think, kind of there's a complexity to dealing with relational failure. We often feel shame when our relationships fail because we know we should be doing better. Jesus prays that we'd be one. Um, and sometimes we just can't make it work. And, and the shame that we feel over relational failure can keep us from our future with God. We might stop dreaming, stop risking. We think, well, how could God use me after my breakup with that person? Sometimes deep relational breaks can even leave us traumatized. Uh, words written or text or yelled can bore into our souls and we rehearse them over and over in our minds. You know, the chaos of conflict feels like everything God is not. God is unity. God is love. God is one. God is peace. God is joy. God is hope. But in the middle of painful conflict, we struggle to love. We don't have peace. We lose our joy. We forfeit our hope. And we wonder, well, where is God in this? How is Christ Lord over this mess? How could this be redeemed? Must I wear this relational failure like a scarlet letter the rest of my life? Barnabas takes Mark back home to the island of Cyprus. Uh, presumably they work on churches there. Paul sets off to visit the young churches planted in southern Turkey called Galatia. Paul doesn't know it yet, but the Spirit will lead him far beyond that region, across the Aegean Sea, into Greece, 
He'll plant churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth on this second journey. Uh, we read about the second journey in Acts 15.30 to 18.22. It will cover the years 80.49 to 52. And Paul will travel nearly 2,000 miles on foot and spend 20 days at sea before he comes back home. Now, we don't hear much about Barnabas's ministry after this. So what happened? Do we know anything at all about um, whether or not they reconciled? Well, we get a couple of clues. Paul writes the Corinthians about 55 AD, so getting close to 15 years later. And he mentions that Barnabas is working by his side. So evidently, they at least reconnected in that one church. And then there's a, a verse in 2 Corinthians that many scholars think apply to Barnabas. And Paul says, We are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. So Barnabas and Paul seem to have some kind of reconciliation. They don't work together like they did in the beginning, but uh, they both go on to lead lifetimes of effective ministry. So their conflict was real and painful, but in the end, the result was two missionary journeys, not one, and the gospel was preached in more places than it originally would have been. You know, Jesus is Lord, even over our conflicts. I don't think we want to say he wanted them to fight and have that relational rupture, but somehow uh, he uses it and the gospel goes forward. I have a friend who went through a painful divorce many years ago. He lost everything, his marriage, his church, his kids. Today, he's done a lot of work. God's done a lot of work in him. He's experienced quite a bit of reconciliation, but not entirely. He's remarried. Um, he's enjoying his life and his ministry and his work. And he looks back at the divorce in a strange way as saving him from the person that he used to be. Uh, so there's a sense in which Jesus is Lord even over our failed relationships. Now, we don't hear much more from John Mark either. Um, years later, when Paul is under house arrest in Rome, he sends greeting to uh, Philemon, and he says hello from several fellow workers, and one of them is John Mark. And then in his final letter, Paul, when he's waiting execution in a Roman jail, he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. So we don't know what's happened over the 20-year span, but they do appear to have reconciled enough to work together again. And what I think is clear is they, they choose not to bear a grudge. They choose to take a posture of blessing towards one another. You know, when you go through a relational crisis and you lose a relationship, it's, it's just easy to carry a dislike for the person, a resentment, you know, maybe even a desire to see them fail in life. But really, that's just unforgiveness, and it doesn't help us heal. A better approach is to trust that Jesus is Lord over their life as well as ours, and to bless their journey wherever it takes them, even if it's away from you. Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark appeared to have enjoyed a measure of reconciliation as the years went on. 
But let's be honest, sometimes that's not possible. Um, sometimes children don't ever call on Mother's Day. Sometimes an ex-spouse seems bent on ruining your life. Sometimes a former business partner won't let it go. Sometimes someone you once vacationed with now spreads rumors about you in your circle of friends. But Jesus is Lord even over these heartbreaking relational failures. He may not heal them. They may remain painful. Yet the kingdom still goes forth. Your life still matters. God still uses you. God didn't fire Paul and Barnabas after their failure and get new leaders. His grace was still there for them. And his grace is still there for us too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are sovereign even over our failed relationships. That we don't have to be perfect relationally for you to use us. Thank you that in some way, even when a broken relationship breaks our heart, you're still there, you're still working in and around and through that relationship. And thank you, Lord, that we're not disqualified when a relationship fails, but that you are gracious to us, as you were to Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. And you will continue to use us, even as broken as we are. Pray this week, especially for that the, the mother side of relationships. And if uh, this week brings up any kind of broken relationship with a mother or children, we pray for these dear ones especially, that there be lots of extra grace and um, just a sense that you know where they are, you know the hurt, and that they don't need to feel shame anymore or beat them up, beat themselves up, but just keep going. Know that they're loved. We ask this in your name. Amen.